You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello there. Welcome along to the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly. It is my pleasure to bring you the show today. And uh, for those of you who were facing up on Twitter during the week, you might have been expecting Connor Allen from uh, Rotoworld to, to jump aboard the podcast. But unfortunately, some things uh, came in and uh, Connor couldn't do today's show, but uh, put out a feeler uh, on Twitter and in the, the Rotoworld Slack chat app. And uh, I'm delighted to say that joining me on today's show is Todd Burrows. And you can follow Todd on Twitter at Todd from PA. He is the host of the Run to Daylight podcast as well as a contributing writer to uh, rotoviz.com and uh, I always love to give rotoviz as many plugs as I can while we're on here and of course he's part of the team over there at Football Diehards as well. So uh, Todd, uh, how's things been happening my man? Oh it's been good. Uh, Good end to the season for me. I had a great best ball year. I'm sad to see NFL go but I really enjoy the offseason as well. So uh, it's 24-7, 365 NFL, and I know you understand that yourself. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Uh, it never really stops. Sometimes uh, the off-season can feel a li- as busy as the, the se- regular season. And, of course, we're in now wildcard weekend in the books last week. We'll be talking a little bit during the show about that. We'll be looking ahead to this week's games. A lot of, obviously, upsets in the games last week. So there's going to be some fun talk regarding that, and we'll be talking uh, about a lot of other different topics as well maybe looking a little bit to 2018 from some players values uh, as to who we might be targeting from these remaining teams uh, in 2018 it's it's always a good idea to look forward particularly in fantasy football as some seasons are over pretty much all seasons are over now in fantasy football unless you're playing dfs and you know dynasty leagues really starting to ramp up on the trade markets and so on so let's have a little bit of discussion about that you did touch on it there todd but you uh, absolutely crushed it in uh, best ball this year. Uh, how did you, uh, you know, enjoy that? You must have had a pretty, pretty big smile on your face at the end of it all. Because I know early in the season, you talked to me on the the road of his highlight reel about your process and the article that you were doing season long there, talking about uh, the best ball, kind of the best scores of the week, and you know, at the end of it all, uh, <laughs> you kind of crushed it. <laughs> well, and what what was really interesting about it is using the process that I laid out for you that time. And I, I have an upcoming podcast uh, with Blair Andrews for Rotoviz on Best Ball, yep. where I'll get into that a lot more if any of your listeners want to check it out. Uh, but basically, I, I did really well, even though I, I got hit as hard on injuries as anyone. Uh, Spencer Ware... Uh, Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham was my number one owned first round pick. Uh, and, you know, but the way that I did it this year and the process that I used, it, it withstood a lot of uh, fragility. And I didn't have ownership on more than 23% on any one player. So it wasn't like, you know, I did well just because I nailed a couple calls. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to doing a bunch of recaps and writing about last year and more importantly, how it leads to next year. Uh, one thing that really came out of it that I think I want to share with your listeners, it's a, a little bit of a tease again for that podcast I did with Blair. Um, but last year's disappointments led to this year's opportunities. And what I mean by that is 
Todd Gurley and DeAndre Hopkins were both both first round picks in 2016 who underperformed, which dropped their ADP into the second and sometimes third round. And the, the winning formula this year in best ball was if you had uh, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and or Antonio Brown, who stayed healthy and had a good year, it put you in position ADP wise to get Gurley and or Hopkins. And I used the term on that podcast uh, with Blair supercharged and you got supercharged results if you had that. So um, one thing I'm really focusing on um, is gonna, I'm going to be reviewing the people who disappointed this year because it can really lead to an opportunity next year. Yeah, and uh, Garley was a huge uh, example of that. And we do see that year on year where players are uh, maybe overdrafted one year or not even overdrafted, but just drafted at the, the spot we expect. And then they don't produce what we expect them to do. And then obviously hindsight uh, and, you know, kind of recency bias can drop them down so uh, it'll be interesting to see your findings on that you also were mentioning there the podcast with Blair and that is a series that we're doing over at Rotoviz Radio we're doing a, a best ball series where we'll have on people from around the best ball community the best in the business and Todd is one of those based on how good of a season he had this year in the articles that he writes for Rotoviz so uh, Todd mightn't even know this uh, but for the listeners listening to this we are recording this on Thursday and uh, I was meant to record a podcast uh, today that would be launching the series tomorrow but that there had to be pushed back until next week so todd i don't know if you knew this but uh, you and blair will be uh, up there tomorrow on rotoviz radio with the uh, first edition of that best ball series so it'll be one for uh, all the listeners to go over there and check out it will be a fantastic series i'm very proud of the team that we have put together in it blair andrews as you mentioned there one of the hosts myself in it as well uh, neil dutton's in it a lot of good uh, content coming up this offseason on rotoviz radio so throw in one more thought uh, to complete the circle on that girly thing um what i really and it's it's crucial and that's why i interrupted you what you need to look for is people that have a durable asset which is their talent no one really questioned hopkins talent and some people questioned girlies but most didn't it was what really opened up the opportunity for both of them was that they didn't have great years in 2016, partially, mostly because of the, the supporting cast around them and the coaching. So when you're looking for opportunities, it's not just looking for people who um, underperform. That's a, that, I mean, people can underperform one year and it's a, tra- you know, it's the sign that they're not that good. But in the case of Gurley and Hopkins, they're both outstanding players with a lot of talent who underperformed because of uh, reasons partially outside of their control. And that's the type of player I'm looking for. Absolutely. Um, I 100% agree with you there, Todd. And, uh, you know, as I as I start the show, I always like to thank the people for, for tuning in, for listening in. I know we're in the off season. I know sometimes that means the numbers of listeners go down a little bit. But uh, thankfully, as we move here through the playoffs, the numbers have uh, stayed as they were. And hopefully then as the, the season off season progresses and we head into next season, they'll continue to climb up again. It's been a great season here uh, at OTI. And uh, I really appreciate each and every person that comes on a weekly basis. And make sure you hit that subscribe button if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen into the show. And uh, of course, then that will help you get that episode once it goes live each and every week. Generally, on a Thursday, sometimes a Wednesday, if you're lucky, we give out that early show in the week. Just depends on when myself and the guests get it all synced up, usually a Thursday. But uh, of course, make sure you are subscribed. And I just want to give a plug out as well. 
to our NFL Europe shop affiliate link that saves you 10% on all your orders over there. Their website is europe.nflshop.com. The playoffs are on. Maybe you want to get yourself a new shirt of uh, depending on which team you support and you want to get uh, your superstars name maybe somebody wins you a game last week or wins you a game this week maybe somebody won your fantasy championship based on their performances uh, over the last couple of weeks off the fantasy playoffs and uh, you can go over there and get yourself hooked up and get yourself 10 percent off just by using the link that i provide uh, i tweet it out on twitter on a quite a regular basis so you can go to the oti website which is overtimeireland.com click on the link and then when you get to check it it just automatically deducts 10 percent off all orders on the website so a great way to save and get some great merchandise as well so that is europe.nflshop.com go save yourself 10 percent and uh, help oti in the process so let's get on to talking about some of the games last week todd and um first game i want to talk about is the titans and the kansas city chiefs looked like uh, in the early part of this game that it was just going to be the, the chiefs kind of running right and winning it very very simply they were 21 to 3 up at half time then we've seen travis kelsey he suffered the concussion that put him out and uh, he was injured obviously when he went out it made a huge huge difference but in the second half then we've seen the uh we've seen the titans kind of fight their way back into it and uh you know they scored 19 unanswered points after the break and give them the comeback victory one of the biggest comeback victories in playoff history you'll remember back to a couple of years ago too when the the chiefs lost and a, a huge comeback by the Colts. Andrew luck having a major role in that game but when we look at it todd what do you think uh you know cost the chiefs in this one do you think it's too simple to look at uh, Kelsey going out. I think that is much too simple of a way to look at it, but certainly did not help. The other reason I think we have to look at it as being a major factor is uh, Kareem Hunt totaling just 11 carries in this one. We've seen him during the season. When they give him that big workload, the team done really well. When they didn't give him the workload, the team suffered. And uh, this was another game where he just didn't get that workload. So uh, your thoughts overall on the, I guess we'll call it the collapse by the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, I I think from a, a micro level of this game, I do think the Kels injury was a big deal. Uh, they don't, unlike a lot of teams that have four or five real solid weapons, the Chiefs have three. And when they lose one of them, I do think that it had affected them. Uh, but from a macro level, this isn't the first time that Andy Reid's teams have underperformed in the playoffs and choked. And as you rightly mentioned, it's uh, it's just awful that they only gave Kareem Hunt 11 carries. Why you would go away from a guy who, you know, if you've got three good players, wh- how do you justify giving one of the other two after Kels went down so few opportunities? And to me, that let the Titans back in the game. And as we've all seen over time, once a team and the momentum shifts, it's really hard to get it back. They took the crowd out of the game. Um, and the Chiefs had been susceptible to the run on the road a lot this year, but not at home as much. But Derrick Henry's a, a good back, and he he really had some big runs. They got some good luck, and they were able to pull the game out. But uh, I think, you know, a lot of the blame falls at Andy Reid's feet. Yeah, I, well, I, I agree. I, I really like Reed as a coach. I think he's one of the better coaches in the NFL this season, kind of all season long. I've been kind of, you know, trying to give him a little bit of credit here on the podcast. But I have to say in this game, it just, for whatever reason, uh, you know, there was a lot of different things I think went into it, but just uh, he did not get the, the play call right, didn't just had so many things go wrong for him and uh, the team kind of fell apart in this one uh, the other thing i want to talk about is you know patrick mahomes seems to be waiting in the wings now alex smith the talk is that he will be on the trading block and it's likely to be moved before the season 
Um, where would you like to see Alex Smith land if he does get traded? There's a lot of different places being touted. You know, people talking about possibly the Giants, maybe go to the Denver Broncos. There's just a lot of different options. You know, if Kurt Cousins was to move out uh, from the Washington Redskins, we could see him there. Where would you like to see Smith land for the 2018 season if it's not with the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, uh, back to Andy Reid for a quick sec. The, if, you, <laughs> if you're a fan of The Godfather, there's a scene in the first Godfather where, uh, the you know, uh, Sonny says uh, about Tom that he's not a wartime consigliere. You know, and Andy Reid is, is, there's no doubt he's a fabulous regular season coach, but he's kind he's of become a playoff the, coach. <laughs> the, 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 the Marty Schottenheimer of this generation to where you can't explain why he loses all the time in the playoffs, but neither can you just ignore the fact that he does. Um, as far as Alex Smith, I, I would give it seventy thirty that he's go, uh, you know that he's gone. I wouldn't go higher than that just because Andy Reid is a funny guy and he might think that um, you know he wants another year out of Smith. I don't think Denver's a good landing spot for Alex Smith. They've got two wide receivers, one of which Emmanuel Sanders really is good down the field, and we all know Alex Smith. That's not his strength. I think his strength would be maybe in Jacksonville uh, if they decide to move away from Blake Bortles, someone who, you know, you got a strong defense, you've got a good running game, um, and they've got some really good wide receivers with different talent, young wide receivers. I would love, I think Jacksonville or Buffalo would be the other place where I could see him ending up, uh, you know, where there's a good defense, a good running game, uh, I think if you put him in Denver, I don't know how much better they would be than and I and there's no way that Kansas City would trade him to Denver either. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that one there, and uh, I think Jacksonville will be a really, really nice landing spot there. And we'll be talking a little bit, I guess, about Blake Bortles in a couple of minutes. Uh, three other topics based on uh, that Chiefs game, and they're all based then pretty much on the Titans here, but Derek Henry, uh, he had another nice game here after uh, Demarco Murray obviously missed out. He- wore down the Chiefs kind of throughout the game and in the fourth quarter then started to really pick up he rushed 21 times for 156 yards and a touchdown um, what's your thoughts on him in 2018 we have to just you know you kind of look back and you wonder what the season might have been if we had Henry running uh, you know all the time and then have Murray in on those pass catching downs um, I think the the Titans made the wrong decision all season long to be having Murray as the lead back but what's your thoughts on the situation there well I agree with you on 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 and, you know, there there was talk of Mike Malarkey getting fired. Well, the reason, even though they made the playoffs, it's very rare in the NFL that a coach makes the playoffs and then it's let go. But he really just did an awful job, both his, you know, he's got this young quarterback who regressed and he, you know, put, played DeMarco Murray, even though it was obvious he wasn't that good anymore. So, you know, if, even if Murray's gone, I think Henry's going to be overvalued because I just don't have confidence if Malarkey's back. He's going to be smart enough to run him as a workhorse. I, I, who, you know, I don't know who, you know, typically teams, if they let, you know, a guy like Murray go, they'll bring in either a rookie or they'll bring in someone to quote spell Henry. Um, so I wouldn't overpay for him until I had a little more clarity after the uh, free agency and the draft that he truly is going to be a workhorse back because he's not 
a pass-catching back. At least he hasn't been under malarkey. Um, you know, they just don't throw to him even when Murray is gone. He had two targets last week. So I I, I have a, a yellow – I don't have a red flag on Henry. I have a yellow flag, which normally means other people will be higher on him early than I will which means I probably won't have a ton of exposure to him early. Not that I don't like him. It's just that, again, situation matters so much. And if you want to be good at best ball, you got to take that into consideration. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we looked last year's ADP. He was not kind of fifth or sixth round, so he had Murray in front of him at that point in time. So if Murray isn't there, you can just imagine where he's going to end up in drafts. I would imagine it'll be in that late second, early third range if that is the case and might just be too high. There is a lot of ability there. Sometimes it looks like he's not running that fast, but he makes things then look very, very easy. He kind of catches you by surprise sometimes. And I just think there's a a lot of ability there, and I just think uh, Murray's legs are completely gone. You mentioned with coach Mike Malarkey I was hoping that they were going to get lose this game so he would get canned and I, I don't want to wish that on anybody you know it is a job at the end of the day you don't want to see people getting fired but just for the way this team has run you mentioned them getting into the playoffs well they kind of got into the playoffs based on the fact that DeMarco Murray was injured and they had to go with Derek Henry and then they were behind in this game so they had to let Marcus Mariota go with that kind of quick high-paced offense to try and get back into the game and you know obviously that worked for them I, I, I will not be surprised to see them go out against the Patriots this week and revert back to the game plan that they had previous and if DeMarco Murray is involved in this game he'll be the lead back I'm sure and uh, they'll just go back to the same way again so I just am not a fan of what he's doing I don't think he's getting the best out of the players that he has and uh, you know they, they kind of locked their way kind of backed their way into the playoffs if you want to say that and the other thing on this game is probably the most bizarre touchdown you're going to see this year maybe the, for the next couple of years was Marcus Mariota uh, throwing the ball near the goal line looked like it was possibly going to be intercepted was deflected then Mariota grabbed it again and then he kind of left for the end zone resulting in the quarterback throwing himself a touchdown pass a huge play for the Titans but anyone had him in uh, DFS last week obviously a massive play for them as he uh, got the uh, passing touchdown, the receiving touchdown, and the reception. So uh, a massive, massive play for him there And fantasy. Uh, we'll move on to the LA Rams and the Atlanta Falcons. A lot of people high on the LA Rams heading into this one thought, you know, they just kind of had to turn up. But the problem for them was that the Falcons led 13-0 before a touchdown from rookie Cooper Cup. Tried to give it some hope later in the game. But the problem was, as I mentioned, that 13-0 lead based on the turnovers by Farrell Cooper who is a special teamer heading to the Pro Bowl based on what he done this year but um, you know that, that was really the difference was those fumbles by Cooper just a very very tough way for them to, to try and fight back if you make in the playoffs the, the key is usually turnovers whoever turns the ball over the most in, in any game really is going to have a very hard time winning the game but do you agree uh, those, those Farrell Cooper uh, fumbles were really really tough to come back from and it, it just really really strange somebody who had such a, a fantastic season um you know returning punts and kickoffs and then uh, for this to happen I'm, uh, in a big spot here yeah i agree completely um i i, I just think that uh it, it took them out of the rhythm they got behind and the, the other thing that really stuck out to me this game is todd Gurley's targets he got over 100 yeah. yards uh, and they tried to throw him the ball a couple times in the screens. They were out of sync. Uh, the only guy on that offense who really had a good day was Robert Woods. And, of course, as I mentioned, Gurley running. Uh, but I, I think what really happened was the Cooper turnovers didn't, of themselves, lead them to be that far behind. 
but it worked towards tiring out the defense. Uh, and, you know, they held a, a couple times off of those turnovers, but they had to defend basically four out of six times and they got worn down late in the game and and then they couldn't get the ball back late in the game. So I blame that partially on the uh, Cooper turnovers as well. And, uh, you know, it, it was a game where the Falcons didn't really do anything all that fancy they got those turnovers got the lead they played a kind of balanced offense you know took advantage of the turnovers on defense as we already mentioned they did nothing extraordinary very very simple from what i thought uh, overall you know matt ryan threw for 218 yards and a touchdown the touchdown was in the fourth quarter to julio jones it was a, a really really nice throw as he was falling away kind of just perfect kind of loft on the ball as julio went into the end zone on a, a crossing route and a play i really enjoyed watching and then Devontae freeman had 66 rushing yards so nothing all that fancy from them but they got the job done and they head to philadelphia and we'll be talking about that in a moment so i think they're shaping up really nicely for the game this weekend a game where it wasn't all that nice to watch but in terms of uh, you know a defensive struggle and the you know, a tough, hard-nosed football game. It certainly had that aspect. That was the Jacksonville Jaguars facing the Buffalo Bills. The Bills getting in dramatic circumstances in Week 17. And, you know, Jacksonville, um, you know, it looked like they they had a huge advantage heading into this one with the defense. That did turn out to be the case. But I guess the talking point is going to be the quarterbacks. Uh, Blake Bortles and Tyrod Taylor combined for just 221 passing yards. Blake Bortles led the Jaguars on the ground with 88 uh, rushing yards he only had 87 passing yards so he had a touchdown as well though to ben kovac for the game's only touchdown but looking around all things considered you know we kind of know this is the formula for both teams they're not expecting the quarterbacks to do a huge amount in these games but uh blake bartles uh just how bad do you think he was last week <laughs> the russian was a positive but how bad was he overall oh i mean it was see look it's stats tell part of the story i think we all know that the yeah. deeper part of football is when teams know you're one-dimensional, it makes it very difficult. So Bortles was just historically bad last week. He couldn't complete passes, uh, even short ones. But the bigger picture was because they weren't even trying to throw the ball downfield, it caused them to not you know, be able to run the ball either. And that's the NFL. If they know you can't and you're not willing to throw the ball more than 10 yards downfield, even a bad run D can stack the line and stop you. So that's kind of what happened uh, last week. And I don't know that there's any way that they could beat the Steelers playing the way they did last week. The Bills, they just got lucky. Uh, the Bills actually moved the ball pretty well against the Jaguars at times, but they couldn't get the ball in the end zone. I don't know that you can count on that again. No, I I agree there. Just uh, I did watch all of this game, and it's it was painful. Uh, part, yeah, it, it was, was painful pretty, to watch. It it was pretty painful. Uh, I guess my question on it, uh, you know, looking forward, not even this week. I guess we can look at it this week if you want. But uh, D.D. Westbrook caught five passes uh, for forty eight yards, and out of the the Jacksonville Jaguars, eighty eight total yards and uh, you know he was the only receiver for the team to catch the ball Marquise Lee and Keelan Cole both being shut out so we've seen D.D. Westbrook since he's come back in from uh, you know his injury to start the year coming in as a rookie has looked very good in a team who isn't passing the ball a huge amount he has still got those receptions and got pretty good yards on a weekly basis I have him on a few dynasty rosters so obviously 
uh, quite excited about that. He had some drops throughout the season, including a big one in Week 17. But moving forward, do you see him as the uh, number one wide receiver here in Jacksonville? I know um, most people expect Allen Robinson to move away from the team. Well, if Allen Robinson's gone, I still think they like Marquise Lee the best. Uh, but I do think D.D. Westbrook is a great complement to what Marquise Lee brings to the yep. table. So I, I, I don't know if one will be 1A and the other one 1B or vice versa. But, you know, D.D. Westbrook obviously showed enough. He was the only, he fell in the draft not because of his talent but because of other things and yeah. I think that uh, if he can keep his head on straight him and Marquise Lee can be a pretty good combination in this league. Yeah, no, I agree there as well. Uh, moving on to the last game from last week with the New Orleans Saints winning thirty-one to twenty-six against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they kind of did have a near disaster. They went for it in fourth down, did not get it. But uh, they, they did get the job done uh, overall throughout the game prior to that. Uh, Drew Brees with a nice passing game. It did look like that would be the way. The, the Panthers are very, very tough against the run this season. They have struggled at times against the pass. So, uh, you know, the surprise, though, was still that Ingram and Kamara only combined for 45 rushing yards. But Brees did throw for 376 yards, two touchdowns. Ted Ginn with a really nice game in this. And Michael Thomas, who... I think it's just been uh, severely uh, underpraised this season, so I'll do it again. <laughs> Michael Thomas is uh, quite fantastic. Eight catches for 131 yards for him. Stopped inside uh, the five-yard line twice in this game, so uh, you know he could have had an even bigger day. Um, your thoughts on uh, Michael Thomas moving forward and uh, Ted Ginn, obviously a former uh, Carolina Panther, getting the job done here against him. And I think he could have been the difference in this game. The Panthers really did struggle in terms of having that deep threat, being able to have speed on offense. It's quite a slow offense, uh, you know, with the injuries they've uh, received this year. The only um, kind of person there with that uh, quick kind of twitch ability is Christian McCaffrey. He did have six for 101 and one as a receiver. Uh, you know, he had a late 56-yard touchdown in it. So outside McCaffrey, they really struggled to have that speed on offense. Do you think, uh, you know, looking at Ted Ginn, he was uh, a major difference? Obviously, he had a big game, but... You know, if he was on the Panthers, do you think we could have seen the script uh, flipped in this one? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, you know, uh, Cam Newton profiles as needing one tall receiver and one deep threat because that's what he does. You know, he's not the most accurate guy, so you need a tall receiver for the short and medium routes. And then he throws a pretty good deep ball. So a guy like Ted Ginn who can get behind the defense, and they don't have that right now. So... Uh, but the other point I wanted to make was that we talked about Mike Malarkey and not coaching well, and there's and he's not the only one who doesn't adapt well to uh, the opponent. Carolina all year has been better against the run than the pass. I don't think it was a huge surprise to me, at least, uh, maybe to the depth that it happened that they got away from the running backs. But you know you got to give Sean Payton credit. He played to the the weakness of the defense, and I've been a high on Michael Thomas all year. I, I my one of my I was looking at my third best ball draft. I took Michael Thomas, you know, last year at one eleven, and I took him over a few people like Devonta Freeman, who I I thought was n not someone I wanted a first round pick on with Tevin Coleman there and possible regression. I saw someone say, uh, do you think Thomas is a first-round pick le uh, next year? I'm like, next year? I thought he was a late first-round pick this year. So yeah. <laughs> I, I really like Michael Thomas. I agree with you 100%. 
Um, I guess the, the other talking point coming out of it is Greg Olsen. He was the top target again for Cam Newton. He had a couple of slow weeks after coming back from that injury, um, you know, the ankle or the foot injury, but he caught eight of 12 passes, and that's on 107 yards and a touchdown. Do you think uh, Greg Olsen is somebody who, you know, next year when we're looking in best ball leagues, looking even in dynasty leagues for somebody who might be a contender, I was kind of thinking mid-season, maybe we've seen the end of uh, Greg Olsen. He looked a lot slower, but in this game and uh, the last couple of weeks, he had a big game against the Packers too. Looks a little bit better. Still, I think he's probably lost a step, but has that experience. We, we could probably see him kind of moving into that Jason Witten role where it's uh, a lot of short passes and then getting in the end zone. But do you think there's a, another year or two of production left in him as a, a kind of top, t- top eight tight end? I do. And, you know, you got to... You look at that Jones fracture that he had in his foot, and all the guys who come back from that seem to re-injure it or not Have be that effective surgery. the same the same year. So I'm not I'm not gonna make a judgment based on how he looks this year. Uh, he's typically been a fifth to early sixth round pick the last two years. I would be a little hesitant looking at him there. Uh, but I expect to get a little bit of a discount on that next year. And as appropriate, I have no hesitation about taking him for a certain amount of ownership, you know, maybe a slight overweight position on him if I can't find other values that I really like at the tight end position. Yeah, lot, and lots of uh, changes in the coaching uh, carousel over the last week. Uh, the biggest one of those being uh, John Gruden, who uh, commentated on that Chiefs game against the uh, Titans and then obviously has moved on now uh, to be the Raiders head coach. He signed a 10-year, $10 million contract, uh, which was announced uh, on Tuesday. Um, uh, one word I would use for this, and probably the only one word to describe it, is absolutely insane. We see uh, you know, management change their coaches uh, you know, after two years, after one year sometime. To give a 10-year, $10, $10 million, basically $100 million contract to a head coach, uh, are you on board with this, or do you think this is uh, absolutely insane? Well, I thought I think that he's a little bit overrated as a coach. Yeah. Um, it went, okay, let me take that back. I think he's a good. I think he's a good coach. I think he's above average. I think he's kept up with that things. Uh, but where he's where he failed in Tampa was in picking his own players. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens at the general manager spot, whether Reggie McKenzie stays. And if he doesn't, do they bring in a real general manager or just someone who's going to rubber stamp what Gruden wants? A lot of these great coaches, there's very few parcels that are also good at picking players. Most of them are not, but they want to, and that leads to their downfall. So that's going to be what I'm looking at. I also want to see if they keep Michael Crabtree with Amari Cooper I think uh, Gruden should be able to get the most out of Derek Carr. And I think that's why he was interested in the job because there's a good, you know, he had a bad year, but a, a pretty good, talented young quarterback and some offensive weapons, a good offensive line. So I, I think he'll do well next year, uh, but they got to get that defense better and they've got to keep Gruden away from being the one who picks the players, I think. Yeah, and I mean insane based on just a business point of view. I don't mean insane based on that he won't do what he's expected to do when he goes in there, get Derek Carr back on track and so on. I just think, you know, giving a 10-year contract to a coach in a business oh. where decisions are made so, so quickly just uh, doesn't seem it, like the, the brightest thing. I, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that they're going to Las Vegas 
Yeah. And that it I I think that Mark Davis saw this as part of his marketing budget as well as his coaching budget for the move to Vegas. Um I I think that it you know to get the most out of that move he needs a winning team. He believed Gruden was the guy and he probably had to overpay to get him out of the booth. So you know, I, I don't know that it's a move that I would have made, but I can at least understand the reasoning as to why it happened. Yeah, um, we're going to rapid fire now through some of these divisional round games. We're going to start off, I'm going to go through them first. We have the, the Jaguars traveling to face the Steelers. We have the Saints uh, facing off against the Vikings up in Minnesota, the Falcons at the Eagles, and the Titans at the Patriots. I'm going to open the floor to you first. Uh, which game uh, do you most likely, we've seen those upset last week, uh, which game do you think is most likely to be an upset this week from those four? Well, Atlanta's the favorite in that game in Philadelphia. So yeah. from a technical standpoint, I think the Eagles winning at home, uh, a lot of people wouldn't consider it an upset, but that would be my most likely game to where the team that's not favored wins. Um, it's, and, very, and, it's very it's very unusual in that that the Eagles are uh, the team that won the conference at the you know the buy over the the first weekend in the wild card and then for them not to be favorites obviously it's based on the quarterback injury and having Nick Foles in there instead of Carson Wentz but very very unusual there's not many times in NFL history that a scenario has happened that you know the team who has uh, clenched home field advantage then is uh, the underdog uh, in the divisional round. It, it's a pretty ugly slate. Um, yeah, you know because the Jaguars. And the Steelers, you know, that's the game that I'm most interested in seeing how it plays out. You know, one of those irresistible forces meet the unmovable object. So, uh, you know, I I have seen the Jaguars get beaten on the road only a couple weeks ago. And I think it was San Francisco. Yeah, Uh, yeah. And so I, I think, you know, just because... They dominated the Steelers during the season. I I don't know that I would count. And Ben Roethlisberger has played much better in the second half of the season than he did not look interested in the first half. He's throwing the ball better. He looks more engaged. Um, uh, My guess is that, you know, the way I'm going to be playing it in daily fantasy is I will have a lot of the Steelers defense thinking that the most likely scenario is we get the bad Blake Bortles, um, but I'll also have some Leonard Fournette because since Ryan Shazier and shout out to Evan Silva, I heard him mention this point today. Uh, since Ryan Shazier went down, the Steelers have not been a good run defense. Uh, so I think that's interesting. And I also think for daily fantasy, a lot of people are going to overrate the Saints. Historically, Drew Brees is not a good road quarterback. And going into Minnesota, first home playoff game in a long, long time, I think if Case Keenum plays even reasonably well, that the the Saints have a really tough time there. Um, And I think the game that you're going to have some surprising fantasy goodness is that Patriots-Titans game. I am interested very much in Corey Davis at 3,600 on DraftKings. Uh, I thought he'd be chalky because... He's been getting a lot of targets lately, and I think the key to these short slates is finding that inexpensive guy who gets volume. And Marcus Mariota just missed him on two different occasions where he was open for touchdowns. So I'm going to have a lot of Corey Davis 
Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Calm, on these games? Yeah, Davis was one I looked at last week, and uh, he has had targets throughout the season. I've stuck with him for the majority of weeks without much success. And then uh, while looking at the games last week, I noticed in week 17, he had, I think he only had maybe one or two targets week 17, so it had dropped off a little bit. But you mentioned those opportunities last week to get those you know long passes from Marcus Mariota. And I think if they can continue to play the way they did last week, I hope they go in and try and play this week with that high-paced offense and you know try and cause the Patriots some difficulty. Because if they go in and they try and play ground and pound, I think I think the Patriots will deal with that. I think then obviously with the Titans secondary struggling so much this season, I think Tom Brady is going to light them up. I think it could be a very, very good game this week for Branton Cooks. I think that uh, people might start to look at Chris Hogan if he can come back into this game. But I think Cooks will be the interesting one this week. And then, of course, we need to look at the running back situation with Burkhead coming back in and Dion Lewis. Lewis has had the majority of the work the last couple of weeks, but uh, I think we could see Burkhead come in and kind of get those goal line carries again. But it, it's a game I expect the Patriots to, to get a comfortable lead in. The Titans will probably fight back later in the game, and I don't think they'll fight back like they did against the Chiefs and end up winning. But uh, I think there will be, as you mentioned there, the opportunity when you're trying to come from behind to get those uh, you know targets. And I think they'll go the way of Delaney Walker, who I always love to have in there. I think Marcus Mariota is an interesting option if he can you know, do it, run the ball a little bit this week again. So you have that option there. Because the quarterbacks this week, outside of Brady, it's very hard to have confidence in them. You mentioned you know, Drew Brees going on the road. He's facing the Minnesota Vikings. The one advantage, I think, when you're talking about a road game for Brees here for the New Orleans Saints is that it is indoors. Uh, you know, he, he struggles outdoors a lot, but when he plays indoors, it tends to not be as bad. But again, he's playing indoors against the Minnesota Vikings. We're all talking about the Jaguars defense and how good they are. This Minnesota Vikings defense is, uh, I would say, pretty, pretty close. Um, you know, I think i, I seen Evan Silva, you mentioned him tweeting. I think they've allowed 10 touchdowns uh, throughout the entire season. Um, the Minnesota Vikings have been a really tough team to score against, so... I think the Saints will struggle to score in this one. Uh, you mentioned as well with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Jaguars. You know, it's tough to score against this Jaguars defense, and you know, even on the road, it's going to be tough. But the, the interesting thing is, you know, you know, they only scored ten points last week, and you know, there's no guarantee that they're going to even score ten points this week. So uh, I think if the if the Steelers can get up around twenty points this week, they have a real chance to to knock out this Jaguars team. And of course, having the bye week last week, I'm interested to see as well how much Antonio Brown's owned this week in DFS coming back off that calf injury there's talk of him looking 100% in training looking as good as he ever did but wide receivers coming back off lower leg injuries or even hamstring injuries or something that I tend to, to try and stay away from him I think he'll be very very heavily owned this week and against this defense as well just makes it a tough tough call the player I'm quite interested in might be Adam Thielen this week uh, you know the Saints defense has been much much better this year but I, I think that he's just been uh, so so good and so so productive it's interesting as well Case Keenum in the playoffs um, you know at the start of the season we certainly wouldn't have thought we'd be talking about that and talking about him as a, a very competent playoff quarterback he's just had such a such a good season obviously you've been surprised I'm sure by how Case Keenum has done but how do you see him and the the Vikings passing game I think people will look at the Vikings run game this week and see if they can get McKinnon or Murray and try and pick which one of those will get the workload but do you think they can have success through the air? Do they maybe throw Rudolph into that as well? Well, I like uh, I like Keenum. I think Keenum is he's popping popping in a lot of my trends on fantasy labs that I track. Um, yeah, I, I think I definitely I think you know I'm pretty convinced that I'm going to try and match the field on Brady. So if he goes insane, I'm even with the field. If he doesn't, I'll, I'll, I'll have other overweight positions. 
And then yeah. it's really a battle between Matt Ryan and Case Keenum for me as to who I'm going to use. The thing that, you know, when we were talking about the Falcons is they 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 did this last year. They got yeah. to the Super Bowl. They, that experience and and Ryan having a lot of years of playoff experience under his belt, I don't think you can underestimate that, nor can you underestimate just how much more talent Julio Jones has than those cornerbacks on the Eagles. So I'm interested in Julio. Uh, I'm probably gonna get, die because of it, but I I, <laughs> I agree I agree with you on Antonio Brown. Uh, I'm more likely to play Bell uh, out of those people because you know he's the dual threat, and you know I'll eat the ownership there. Uh, I like the Thielen call a lot. I like the Vikings, and I, you know, I think the Vikings running backs are going to go underowned, especially Latavius Murray. And if they're able to get a, a lead in this game as a home favorite with a good defense, it's going to be Murray who pounds the rock. I could see him yep. getting twenty carries if he gets you, you know, eighty yards, and he's able to get in for a touchdown, maybe two. Um, on a slate where there's not a lot of options and not a you know a ton of value, where we want to pay up for Rob Gronkowski, Le'Veon Bell, you know who all these guys, maybe Tom Brady. I think Latavius Murray is a, a really interesting option. Yeah, I think this game has the potential to be a little bit more high score. People think of the Vikings as that defense, but I, I've been su- super uh, impressed by what they've done on offense this year just by moving the ball. They had a lot of games where they scored a lot of points. And, you know, at the start of the season, I know like all of us guys over at Rotovis are big still on Stefan Diggs. I'm still going to be getting them this offseason in my dynasty leagues if I can acquire them. You know, people are just not talking about Stefan Diggs and, you know, he has the ability, has the right run ability to, to make big plays. So it's going to be a case in this to see who can get matched up in the slot kind at certain times. They do like to move around. Thielen tends to be in the slot a little bit more for the Vikings. I think that there's a, a matchup that we might see the, the Vikings try and exploit in this. And, of course, then over the middle of the field, you have Kyle Rudolph in there. there it's, it's a very tough one when you have the four games. It makes it very, very interesting. You have to have that diversification too. So you can go with somebody like Tom Brady, like you mentioned, but then you know you have to be able to slot it in, maybe have Latavius Murray. We'll see people go heavily on the Patriots this week. And, you know, if you can avoid having that Patriots running back and have Latavius Davis Murray or Jarek McKinnon, if they have the big day, it just uh, makes a big difference. It's like last week if you had Ted Ginn in there when a lot of people might have been uh, fading away from him and not thinking about him. If you had him in your lineups, you uh, had a good chance of getting in the money last week. So before we uh, wrap up, is there any other players this week that uh, stand out for you? Do you think we've uh, pretty much touched them all? Is there any? We didn't touch on any Eagles. I think that you know going against the Falcons uh, secondary, I think we could see Alshon get a, a heavy dose of targets this week. I'm going to go with uh, Aguilar. Uh, he's been the second most targeted player on the Eagles since Nick Foles uh, took over, uh, second to Zach Ertz, and Zach Ertz has a tough matchup. Um, and when you look at Pro Football Focus and the other ratings out there, uh, the weakest player in the secondary for the Falcons is their slot corner, Brian Poole. Aguilar has a very, you know, for for it has a very reasonable price tag, and he's a guy that I am expecting to have somewhere about him and Corey Davis are probably going to be my most two owned players on this slate, the two that I'm going to live and die by. If they both have the weeks that I hope they can have, 
at at you know low and medium price points it opens up everything else that i need to do to be successful yeah and uh, you know i like those two calls and um I think I'll have them in my lineups as well. You know, what we're trying to do here, Todd, is, uh, you know, be successful, get those big ones. And, you know, sometimes you have to swing for the fences. And I think there are two players that might be a little bit more, uh, you know, low ownership this week. And as I mentioned, diversity and, you know, diversification, trying to get those players into your lineups that other people don't were you know, if they have the big week, that pushes you up those leaderboards. And that's what we're looking for here as we enter the divisional round and uh, try and make ourselves some money in DFS. Of course, if you are playing on DraftKings and it is your first time signing up, if you use the code OTI while signing up through their promo code page, that does help us out here. It gets you a free $3 entry into a contest as well with your first five euro deposit. So do check that out. Obviously, everyone knows about DraftKings, but if you haven't tried it out yet, uh, it is a lot of fun. And of course, no better time to try it now than when your fantasy season is over and we are into the playoffs. So the code again is OTI. So with that, I guess it's uh, pretty much going to do us for today's show. Uh, Todd did mention earlier about that best ball show that will be coming out of Blair Andrews on Road of His Radio, and that will be coming out tomorrow, Friday. Um, you know, you can follow Todd on Twitter at Todd from PA and check out the Run to Daylight podcast. Todd, is there anything else that you want to give a, a quick plug to as we wrap things up here? No, um, I appreciate you having me on and uh, good luck to everyone in their games. Yeah, and obviously a uh, very short notice uh, for Todd to jump aboard this. So uh, I do really appreciate him coming on, talking some uh, football and uh, having a nice little conversation here ahead of the divisional round. So uh, with all that said and done, make sure you're following Todd on Twitter at Todd from PA. Follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a little written and review there if you haven't already. It does really help us out. And uh, of course, enjoy the games this weekend. And until we're back with the next show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.